Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. Coming up on this week's show, our favorite matches from this past week. T-Mobile announces a cost-cutting streaming service, untangling Peacock's uh, strange ways, full steam ahead for streaming as cable companies admit defeat, our tribute to Dalrell Grove, plus we have letters from you listeners in our mailbag section. I'm Christopher Harris, a.k.a. The Gaffer, joined alongside my co-host Kartik Krishnaya. Kartik, if uh, any of the listeners listening in right now are new to the World Soccer Talk podcast, we're your weekly guide to getting the best out of soccer viewing options from around the world. So whether it's streaming or television or apps, uh, we go in pretty deep into that. So um, so let's dive in with the uh, first part of the segment of the show. And that is what we've been watching. Kartik, uh, what was your favorite match from this past week? My favorite match from this past week was um, that. That's a great question. <laughs> I, it has to be Villa Leeds, but then at the same time, I, I guess we're going to go through it in a few minutes. I, I had all sorts of issues with Villa Leeds, um, really? Peacock issues. Okay, okay. I was going. I was going to say issues with the game. How could you have issues with the game? It was such a. This is to me actually for me personally. This is probably my favorite or one of my favorite uh, Premier League games this season. The other one would have been yeah. Liverpool against Leeds United. Uh, just so refreshing again to see a team just going at it. Uh, hardcore, nonstop, attack, attack, attack. And um, I mean, it's so interesting. It's so entertaining to see that full-on, just uh, really beautiful style of football. And then you have Marcelo Bielsa after, I mean, Leeds United scores a beautiful goal, just like kind of looking down, just like strolling around the uh, the, the technical area, kind of like really blasé. It's, it's, it's such an extreme opposite uh, reaction than, than you'd expect. Um, but yeah, what a game this was from start to finish, from zero minute to, to, to 90. It was nonstop action. Yeah, as I uh, as I, I would say, it, it, Villa Leeds would be better than ninety nine percent of the football you can see anywhere in the world any any week because of the, the the approaches these two clubs have. Bielsa on one side, 
Leeds, other than Atalanta last season, I would say was were probably the best team to watch in Europe. I know a lot of people who watch the Premier League don't watch the championship, so they hadn't seen them. Uh, I think this season, with the sort of me- meshing you finally have of Aston Villa in terms of guys who they had bought, they had spent a lot of money in the, in the last few transfer windows, but particularly last summer, that didn't really gel. You're beginning to see, and then by the time they did gel at the end of last season, they're trying to hang on and get out of relegation, right? So they they played not necessarily the way Dean Smith wanted them to at the end of last season. They, I, I, what I mean is they didn't play the style he wanted to. I mean, they got the results, obviously, and they escaped the drop by a single point. But now you're seeing that team with it's it's high end talent. You know, they've got top ten talent in terms of of, of of the type of guys they've gone out and bought and the amount of money they spend in the transfer market. So you have two, I think, of the best teams to watch anywhere in the world, and they're playing each other. It's a Friday afternoon here in the States. It's great. Um, I had some issues with the match. Okay. Should I get into that now? Or? Well, I, I, actually, just hold up for just one more second. I just want to say one more thing before we talk about the technical issues, and, and that is Patrick Bamford. I think for a lot of uh, viewers, this is probably the first time that they saw just the brilliance of Patrick Bamford. So many times in the past, you mean, I mean, the, the commentators, the analysts, the reporters, probably ourselves included, would, would have talked up uh, Patrick Bamford saying, OK, how skillful he is as a player. And, and of course, you and I have watched him a lot in the last couple of years uh, in the championship, seeing him really flourish. And this season with uh, high expectations for Leeds United. But this is a player, Kartik. He's been loaned out to so many clubs in the past. Uh, he was originally at Chelsea, actually Nottingham Forest first, then went to Chelsea. Then he was loaned out to MK Dons, Derby County, Mid- Middlesbrough, Crystal Palace, Norwich, Burnley. And then finally he was signed by Middlesbrough and then finally went to Leeds United. And each of those three goals he scored um, on Friday were exquisite, just just really sensational, old school, just technical, brilliant footballer. And uh, he thoroughly deserved that hat trick. And it, it, the game itself, I just absolutely loved. And, and and actually, right before you talk about any te- technical issues, I didn't have any. But what I would say is that um, before this match kicked off, when we had the pre-match on Friday, it was a really re-energized NBC Sports studio. So Rebecca Lowe was a lot more um, excitable, enthusiastic, a lot more energetic. So whether it's been lack of sleep or just, uh, I don't know, going through the motions or just, I mean, other things going on in her life, I, I have no idea. But on Friday, she was she was electric, she was alive. And that really helped too, because you had the two Robbies there. And the, the pre-match studio analysis, I loved. The energy was great. And that was something that reminded me of, of the past. Now, Tim Howard wasn't there. And I think Tim Howard, while he's good, it takes a while to get that chemistry flowing and, and for people to get to know each other and, uh, you mean, kind of their strengths and weaknesses as far as the analysis or how, how to play off each other. But that part I enjoyed. And for me personally, the Peacock, I had no problems. Watch the game, no, no buffering, no streaming, nothing. But I know, I know, Kartik, you had some issues. Yeah. Okay. So let's let's walk through this. Uh, let me uh, first preface say that preface it by saying I was in a different predicament than I might may normally be, where I would be sitting at home, uh, set up a half an hour before to watch a game because this was the match. Uh, I think I was probably most excited about in this Premier League season. The match didn't disappoint. I mean, I thought it would be the best match of the season. 
Uh, yeah, I guess Liverpool Leeds was kind of exciting because it was the first match of the season and Liverpool were are the defending champions. But uh, to me, this was the match. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that, that would be the other match up there. So um, I'm at the supervisor of elections office in Broward County doing my the, the job I do for the, the Democratic Party. One of our, my colleagues there is Neil Blackman with with and he, um, of course, I think most of you guys know him from yanksercoming.com and, and other soccer stuff. So I tell Neil it's two 30. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm going to, I'm leaving. I'm going, I'm going home to catch Leeds and Villa. And he's all, you know, he's an Everton fan. He's like, keep in mind, we're top of the table. <laughs> Even though it was because, because uh, Villa had a, a, a match in hand, right. Which would have been this match, um, which they lost of course. So then I'm on the road. That's fine. So I decided I'm going to try and, um, Fired it up on my, my, my iPhone in the, uh, uh, in the car. Well, then I find out the Peacock app is dated and I have to download another app, which it's tough to download on cellular data. And I'm thinking this isn't, this is an app that came out July 15th. How is it that it, it hasn't either automatically updated? Uh, maybe that's an iOS error. Maybe that's not a Peacock error, but why is there already a new app? So app is out of date. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't download. Um, so, um, so this is, this is pregame still. So I get home basically five minutes in. Um, so I download the app to Wi-Fi, but then I decided I would, um, um, get on my laptop to, to start up the match. Um, and then there was a, an error message that uh, asked me to kind of to restart Peacock to exit to physically exit the website and then reopen it. So um, I finally get get this get this sorted out. Uh, match is great, but then I'm at halftime. I'm like, okay, this laptop's not reliable. Let me go do it on the Peacock app on my LG Smart TV. I do that at halftime. And I get the error message, quote, Peacock is not loaded now. Then try and escape, uh, 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 exit, go back into Peacock, same thing happens. So then I go back to my laptop, and um, luckily it held for the whole second half, and I saw all three Bamford goals. Um, and I had seen most of the match to that point, but it was just you know coming in and out, right? Mm-hmm. And telling me it wouldn't load or it was stopping in the middle. Um, so... That was the issue with uh, with Peacock, and then I got that same message uh, on my uh, uh, on on my TV at seven twenty the next morning when I had woken up to watch West Ham and Man City. So then I go to my laptop, no problems. Go back to the TV at halftime. Didn't get that error message. Watched the whole second half, which I kind of wish I hadn't watched uh, in hindsight. But watched the whole second half uh, on uh, – oh, I did see Foden's goal, right, uh, on, on the TV. So uh, then I'll say for the Sheffield United-Liverpool match on Peacock, I had no problems. That was later that day. And then there was a Peacock match I watched Monday, I think which I had no problems with. So mm-hmm. Friday, Saturday, there were all these problems, especially in the game I really wanted to watch. Then uh, it seemed to iron itself out. Maybe it's just very random. Yeah, part of it might be just, just the updates. So so yeah, the the app came out in July. Um, actually, I think it launched before that. It la- launched in what? April, I think it was originally for Comcast customers, they could get in. But uh, the kind of nationwide rollout, um, I think um, late summer or so, but I know since then they've they've done some updates um, to the app itself. So, for example, with the Premier League, 
with the uh, Premier League programming. So whether it's uh, Fan Zone or um, some of the the Premier League review shows or preview shows, so those are available now on demand um, in the sports section, and and they've done some other alterations to it too to improve it. Um, that's my guess as far as why I was asking for the update is it's saying okay, hey, we just I mean recently whenever it was updated uh, the version so you have to go ahead and, and install it and and that's the pain in the butt too is, is especially on cellular and and where you are and, and the connection um some variables that could have you mean you mean sometimes you can load quickly other times it could take a while but yeah there, there's there's definitely issues i mean that that's the the whole world of streaming versus television with television it's a lot more reliable in terms of if you have cable and you have FS1 and you want to watch a game and you know it starts at whatever time you go to it, I mean, no problems, right? Uh, even with CBS All Access this week, too, there were technical issues on Tuesday for the Champions League matches, uh, the early games where the there was no video pre-match for um, before the first game. I think it was the, the Bayern Munich uh, Lokomotive Moscow game. Then that you could hear the audio, but just couldn't see any video. Then the game started, but then the audio was off by about thirty seconds, which is a big difference. I mean, you're hearing about uh, you see you see the goal, and then thirty seconds later, the audio catches up. They didn't fix that till minute seventy-five. Um, so it's it's unfortunately it's a pain in the butt. It's it's not perfect by any means. I mean. Um, and in many ways, too, I think ESPN Plus is is kind of the the gold standard, uh, as well as DAZN. I mean, they're not into soccer in, in the states, but but DAZN is a gold standard too, as far as how reliable it is and how uh, well it works. Uh, we're not there yet uh, by any means with Peacock and CBS All Access, but uh, but hopefully, I mean, they'll, which they are. I know they listen quite quite often to us and uh, ask for our feedback. And and we share it when we're honest and say, hey, this is here's some some of the problems we've experienced, but um, but yeah, but a good game for sure. But uh, yeah, I've had that too. Even with CBS All Access this week with the Champions League, what happens to me is I, I watch the the entire first half and then goes to halftime uh, match analysis, and then as soon as the second half starts to kick off, it starts buffering, and this has happened about two or three mm. times. So I have to then. Now that I'm used to it, now I go, okay, as soon as it starts, I go out of the app, go back in, and with CBS All Access, you have to kind of click three times to go Champions League, find the game, life matches, click on the game you want, and then it's fine for the rest of the game. So, so again, as I mean, that, that's kind of my tip if, you, if, if, if you've had the same problem. And I have really fast, uh, high-speed internet at home, but it still still does that. But uh, yeah, it's it's the trials and tribulations, Kartik, of uh, of streaming for so sure. So CBS All Access was doing that with me during the Champions League, the knockout tournament to, at the end of the last season. It seems like it was just yesterday, right? Yeah. But that, uh, so I was trying to remember when it was last season. But uh, this year, when I watched, and I, I, I guess I've only watched uh, a few matches on All Access, I have not had that problem yet. But I would I would always have to do what you did, which was at halftime leave and come back uh that was a, almost a standard thing to do but so i think that that's something that uh they'll have to work on and, and they will i mean the thing the difference between peacock and all access for me and maybe i shouldn't have this 
maybe I should treat them the same way. But I'm thinking all access is at the end of its life. Paramount Plus is coming in ne early next year. They will be a completely new app. So they'll fix all this stuff. Peacock, in my mind, is a new app. So how could they have all these problems? That, I mean, so maybe I have my own biases and perhaps I should be more objective in, in rating them similarly. But I just think they're in different parts, uh, points in their lifespans. So I'm more outraged by the Peacock things. Because, yes, I've had some of those same issues with All Access. I just I guess I'm more tolerant of it. Now, speaking about uh, the Champions League this week, Kartik, with CBS, every week it seems to be they pull out another rabbit out of, out of the hat every week. There's always a surprise. This week it was uh, for the Galassa show on Tuesday. I watched that one. And it had uh, Gus Poyet as the uh, yeah. the studio analyst next to Dico Cantor. So the, both of them were analyzing the games. The other rabbit that they pulled out of the hat was uh, uh, Christian Vieri as a analyst um, in Italy for the uh, Juventus-Barcelona game there. So he was pitch side, giving some of his analysis and, and input as far as, I mean, know, knowing these players well, knowing knowing, knowing the Italian um, league very well, uh, knowing world football very well too. So um, overall, uh, as far as the analysis that I've, I saw and heard, as far as Roberto Martinez, Jamie Carragher, Alex Scott, uh, Kay Abdo, etc., still, still, kind of top draw uh, no complaints there what about you yeah so i i liked uh, gus Poir. Uh, he uh, he's living in London, so which I was aware of and, and had not actually thought about him, maybe should have thought about him as a guy that would be a pretty good analyst for 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 these uh, situations. Uh, one of many uh, former coaches from a certain class of Chelsea. Uh, it's funny. There's a Chelsea team which all of that entire 11 became coaches other than Craig Burley, who became one of the best co-commentators and, and studio analysts around. But it was Gus Poyet, Dennis Wise, actually Poyet attached himself to Wise for, for a little bit, and uh, Steve Clark, uh, among others. I'm blanking out now. But they, they all became coaches, uh, that, 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 that particular set of Chelsea players. And um, of, of Roberto Di Matteo, Zola, uh, that, that entire sure. team uh, of, of Rude Hulet, Viali, that, that entire set of uh, Chelsea guys. So it's kind of good to see Poyet come back from the coaching world where I think he was a pretty good good manager. I thought he did well at Brighton. I, I liked him at Sunderland. I thought he was doing great um, in, in France uh, at Bordeaux, and, and that just went bad for him um, to uh, to come into the studio. So I liked his perspective. I thought he Nico was getting stronger every show. Uh, I, I really liked the addition of Vieri, who we know, American audiences know how opinionated he is, how combative and feisty he is when we've seen him on DM. Yeah. So it was it was good to see him kind of in this this reporter role, but a role where he could give opinions. So I uh, I enjoyed the Golasso show. One other note, I enjoyed the uh, Golasso show pregame this time, which had Kate, Roberto Martinez, uh, uh, I can't remember if Carragher was on there. M Mika was on there. Oh, and Alex Scott was on there, right? Carragher was not on there. Uh, but that was for Tuesday. I didn't get to watch Wednesday. But uh, I, I thought that was uh, that was well done. Led in nicely to Nico and uh, Gus Poyer uh, with the uh, with the Golasso show. Yeah, and the uh, the Golasso show this week definitely better as far as not having too many cooks in the kitchen. Uh, they paired it down to the two rather than having three people in the studio. And I thought that Nico and Gus worked well together as far as kind yeah. of uh, sharing opinions and, and going back and forth and not talking too much over the commentary and, and just allowing the games to breathe now and again. 
and Gus knows a lot. So the thing I really liked was that he was able to give some pretty good analysis of, of, of Salzburg, of Atletico Madrid, of some of the teams that maybe I uh, was a locomotive, uh, some of the, te- the teams that you may not, uh, that the, the other analysts may not know as much about. I was actually impressed with the, the depth of knowledge that, that he had. I mean, obviously, we know he would know South American football, Uruguayan football. We know he would know English football really well. And, fr- and he's recently managed in France. But it was good to see him. He knew more than just those countries, for instance. So Sunday's games in the Premier League, we had uh, Wolves against Newcastle and uh, and a couple other games going on. But uh, starting next week, Kartik, I've got uh, some exciting news to announce about this podcast. We're going to start up a segment where we're going to be rating cups of tea. So we're going to be showing pictures and I'm going to have you go ahead and, and, and tell us whether you think there's too much milk, not enough milk or uh, too much sugar, maybe too, not enough sugar. What do you think? Well, I, Sunday morning, I have to admit, when Rebecca Lowe was going through that segment and people were Instagramming her the photos, I was like opening my cabinet and said, oh, yeah, I've got that that bag of Yorkshire tea loose. Oh, yeah, I got that bag of English tea time, that box of English tea time. It was funny. Most of the teas that were featured, I'm in a, I'm a massive tea drinker, uh, by the way, for those who don't know. So I, I kind of enjoyed it. But it, it had nothing to do with football, right? It was it was weird. It was, it was. I mean, I guess I could have turned on a cooking show and gotten that, or or <laughs> some sort of English variety show, British variety show. Yeah, it, it's it's filler, right? I mean, we've talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago too, uh, and we won't go into too much depth on this one because I mean, it's one that we've we've talked about a l- little bit uh, in the past, but. The Sunday is for the Premier League. It seems to be now for the NBC Sports is is Sunday Fun Day, and they've really rolled it back as far as um, the in depth analysis, and they've really focused on more of uh, fun chatty talk. And uh, I mean, let's let's make fun. Of, let's see pictures of your breakfast and and rate them and and compare them and and getting people to interact socially. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but. It's so far different than what we've grown to expect and, and uh, been accustomed to hearing and seeing as far as their in-depth analysis. And, and it must be, Kartik, it, it must be based on market research. It must be based on what they're hearing or the feedback loops or the, um, the, the control groups or even testing that they've done. It has to be. Otherwise, it's just uh, kind of just, uh, just filler, really, right? I guess. I mean, it's weird because they go the extra hour, right, on Sunday? Uh, At least they did this Sunday. Well, that was because there was no early match, right? Is that why they went – it was two hours. I think so. Yeah. Um, Right. There was no early match. Right, because of the time change. Right. Yeah, 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 right. So I I, I don't know if they felt like – uh, I thought by giving the extra hour, they would be in a position where you would see a situation where they would give more highlights. They would maybe break down the league more. They had the two Robbies, which, uh, as you said, Friday, that, that led to another dynamic or kind of a renewed dynamic from the past. But instead, it was a lot of filler. It was actually, quite frankly, a waste of time. Most of NBC studio programs are not worth watching. Uh, and I'm surprised there's still so many devotees to them. I mean, I think there may be devotees to the personalities, but maybe not to the content. 
Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head right there, Kartik. It is that that's what they're trying to do is create a deeper bond with with the personalities. So that uh, and and I saw that too at that uh, Premier League fan fest in uh, in December last December in South Beach uh, in Florida, Miami Beach, and and just the connection that. I mean, the Rebecca's, the two Robbies and Kyle had with the crowd that they felt that they knew those people. They could, they knew what uh, you know, the two Robbies liked and disliked. They, they, they felt that they were best, almost not best friends, but but knew each other. You mean, and and it was that close contact. So, so in, in if that's their approach, which it is, and it works, and it results in numbers, and it's you mean based in market research where they believe that's the way to go. Then, then go for it. But for us, a lot of us hardcore, you mean, yes, the, the teeth segment was probably funny for about two minutes, but then it got, I'm like, come on. Um, but it's not for me, right? It's not for you, probably not Kartik, but for most people, maybe it is for them. And um, all right, let's move on though. But let's talk about a couple more games from my side and, and definitely want to give you the opportunity to, to talk about some of the other matches or some of the other observations that you saw from this past week. I watched Miami against Orlando, a big MLS game on Saturday, uh, last Saturday on uh, Univision and Tuduene. This one with uh, fans let back into the stadium at Lockhart Stadium, about 2,000 fans, um, no social distancing at all. Uh, very few masks worn back in the the supporters section. And with Miami getting a late win in this one, the fans went absolutely nuts, just like as far as, you mean, as as, as if they won the, the World Cup, or maybe not that much, but but they, they got really, really excited. So um, actually a pretty decent game, and Miami finally gets its first win against um, Orlando City Soccer Club. One other match to mention for me, and that was, uh, I think it was Monday, right? Yeah, uh, AC Milan against Roma. 3-3 yeah. game. I mean, Serie A with, uh, with VAR, and you mean, the VAR is like hardcore there. Any any small little foul uh, or a push in the box, it's a penalty. And Mark Donaldson uh, and Janusz Mahalik on the commentary, Mark Donaldson summed it up best by saying that uh, during the commentary, penalties are being handed out like uh, their prizes on Oprah. And it's true, there were so many penalties in this game and it went back and forth. I mean, Milan would get a penalty, then uh, and then Roma would get a penalty, and then you know, Milan would get another penalty. Uh, it made it exciting because there were a lot of goals, a lot of drama. Zlatan, of course, uh, still going strong at, at his old age. And uh, But with VAR, I guess in many ways it catches things that normally we, we wouldn't see. Uh, and it does result in more goals. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, what about you, Kartik? Anything else you want to mention? Yeah, that that match, uh, I thought the Milan-Roma match was brilliant. Uh, enjoyed uh, Genoa-Inter. That was uh, a, a match on, on on Saturday I watched also. I, I, I am a glutton for Atalanta, and they didn't play well this week. But I will admit, instead of El Clasico, I was watching Atalanta play Sampdoria. Which <laughs> there might be people who shut this podcast off now and say, I'm never listening to this guy again. Uh, but we all have our personal preferences. I like watching Serie A. Uh, I, I watched that match and uh, that was a wheels were coming off for Atalanta, but Sampdoria were very good. And I think the thing I really like about Serie A now is that I can watch a random Serie A match and, and there is a team that will entertain me or impress me always. One of the two teams will, I can't say that for every other league uh, out there. I, I think, uh, 
the Bundesliga maybe is the other league that 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 happens in where I can watch a random match and I'll know you know one of the two teams will 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 do something to impress me. But uh, uh, Spain and it, and England don't do it as much for me as as those two leagues. So uh, yeah, watched a lot of Serie A this weekend and uh, watched a fair amount of uh, Premier League as I mentioned earlier with all the Peacock issues and then uh, a couple of Bundesliga matches and a couple other things. Uh, Liga Mekis, uh, a few things. No MLS, uh, unlike you, Chris. So that was uh, that was my weekend. El Clasico, yeah, I forgot to mention that too, Kartik. It, it's um, unfortunate because um, five years ago, El Clasico was the biggest game on the planet. I mean, hands down. And as each game has gone by over the last five years, it becomes less and less of a must-see. And it's not necessarily because of the football, but as far as maybe the, the drama, and of course, missing Messi against Ronaldo, uh, at their best, in their prime. I mean, that was. I mean, not this this age. That that was years years ago. Um, so I, I watched it, and actually, I watched most of the first half, and then watched the highlights of the second half because I had to go to um, one of my kids' games. But um, yeah, I mean, not much to say about about it really. I mean, it just it's uh, it's just uh, just another game, which it which it, ne- it never used to be. That it's just. Uh, I mean, just. I don't know if I don't think it's being sports. I just think that the game itself, I mean, there's so many other good games to choose from too. Um, it's become a little bit boring, which is which is um, surprising to say. Yeah, I watch it Atalanta any day of the week over Barcelona or Real Madrid. Again, that may sound ridiculous to some of you out there, but I, I think there's some people who would probably agree with me. And, and uh, I've, you know, this is the effect of being on ESPN. I hate to say, you know, I, I watched a lot of Serie A in the in the 90s and 2000s. I had stopped watching the league for years, and the the net effect of of Serie Serie A has gotten better the last few years. Yeah, not denying that, it's become a much better product. But the net effect of it being accessible on ESPN Plus for me has been I'm watching the league as much as I'm, I've ever watched it, and I'm watching the league almost as much as I watch the Premier League or the Bundesliga. Liga. So um, that's that's a loss for Spain. I mean, again, La Liga was positioned, I think, always as that second most popular European league in this country. Now, it probably still is behind the Premier League, but you see the progress Bundes, the Bundesliga and Serie A have made just by uh, virtue of their affiliation with ESPN. And you wonder how much longer La Liga can continue to be on BN uh, wh- and, and why they haven't tried to find a way out, at least with their Spanish language package, to, to Univision or, or to Telemundo. Well, Telemundo may, may not have the, the room for it, but for to Univision, I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, I mean, they've, they've definitely tried to see if there's a way out of that package. There's no way out of that package. It's it's, it's sealed. It's exclusive to be in sports. And unless BN Sports changes their mind, I, I don't think there's any way for them to go ahead and, and break that up a little bit and try to sublicense some of those games to Univision or uh, ESPN Deportes or ABC or whoever it is. So so we're, we're stuck with that. Um, I mean, but, but that's the deal that La Liga signed with BN Sports. So uh, if any anyone has an issue with that, it's La Liga. They decided to, to go ahead and, and renew with being sports until 2024, uh, which is still, I mean, a number of years away. And it's one of those things, Kartik, that I think that, um, I think there'd be more excitement for this game if it was on over the air television. You I mean, if it was on ABC, like, like, uh, Sunday's, um, LA galaxy against LAFC Derby, you I mean, on over the air television available, you I mean, in a lot more homes, 
But um, that's part of it. I, I, I don't think it's completely the reason that there's less excitement for it, but it doesn't, it doesn't help uh, by any means. All right, let's move on to TV streaming news, Kartik, and I'll, I'll have you kick it off. Yeah, according to a report by CNBC, at least three large U.S. media companies expect that about 25 million U.S. households will cancel their PTV subscriptions over the next five years. Now, think about that for a minute. Let that set in. This is on top of the 25 million homes who have already cut the cord since 2012, which would mean a total of 50 million if this report is accurate over the course of 13 years. With the expected drop... Experts agree that the number of pay TV subscriptions will stabilize to about 50 million, which would mean about half the people who had cable or satellite in 2012 would have canceled their subscriptions. Uh, but at that number, it's unclear if the current pay TV model can survive without uh, falling further. The projected decline in subscribers will mean a drop of about 25 billion in cable subscription revenue, plus huge losses in advertising revenue. With the massive losses, the pay TV giants are hoping enough people sign up for subscription uh, streaming services to make up for the cable TV subscriber losses, which is why you see the satellite providers and and, uh, cable providers now getting themselves uh, into the streaming space. Yeah, so what this means also, too, is expect major cuts at all of these uh, major media companies. So you're... Comcast, your NBCs, your ESPNs, you go down the list, your Foxes. Um, we've had cuts already at a lot of those companies, expect a lot more. Um, but it really, it's it's follow the money. And um, for those uh, listeners who are hoping that more soccer will be added to television, that maybe television is going to be more of a bigger player in the future, uh, it's not. It, it's going, everything's moving to streaming. So you might have, you might end up with, um, maybe Liga MX and the World Cup and Women's World Cup on television and everything else might be on streaming. So the next TV deal for the Premier League could be a uh, streaming only. Um, the next La Liga deal might be streaming only. The next uh, MLS deal might be streaming only. It's very likely that those things will happen in the next couple of years. And um, you'll just have those big events, those big tournaments on a Fox or a Telemundo, or a Uni- uh, Univision, maybe a, a Euro 2020, um, you mean, and in 2024, and so on and so forth, on an ESPN, maybe the, the final. But more and more games are moving to streaming, and, and it's because of the business, it's because of the money. You mean, people are cutting like crazy, cutting the cords, and moving to streaming. And, and that's why soccer and leagues and uh, confederations are moving to streaming too. That's where they see the money going. Now, speaking of the business, Kartik, and uh, companies looking to find ways to move to streaming, big news this week, and that's T-Mobile has announced the, their upcoming launch of its cord-cutting TV service entitled T-Vision. Channels included uh, in this uh, for soccer fans that will, will, will interest soccer fans include NBCSN, ESPN, ESPN2, FS1, FS2, ABC, Telemundo, Fox, NBC, ESPN News, and more. Now, the base package is $40 a month, and it includes 34 channels. Uh, and that includes those channels I just mentioned. So as far as the major soccer channels or the broadcast soccer, I mean, there's not a lot of them left, but the, those major ones are included in that $40 a month uh, for the base package. And uh, in total, it includes 34 channels. 
they have the other uh, options available, other packages where you can add on the uh, NFL Red Zone and NFL Network and uh, the ACC Network and um, I think ESPN College um, Extra, all, all those channels. Um, but those are going to be a little bit more money. So, But at launch, which is happening this weekend, uh, November 1st on Sunday, uh, it'll be available only exclusively to T-Mobile wireless customers. Then later in November, it'll be rolled out to uh, an offer to Sprint customers. And then slowly but surely, uh, it'll be rolled out next year to non-T-Mobile customers uh, in waves in 2021. So it might start in different cities or different regions or first come, first serve, but it's not going to be a nationwide launch uh, anytime soon. Now, the plus is on this one, the the price. I mean, $40 per month would make it the cheapest streaming service in the industry for the channels it offers, cheaper than the uh, Sling Orange Plus Blue bundle, which is $45, cheaper than Fubo TV, which is $55, Hulu Plus Live TV, also $55, and then YouTube TV, $65, just as, as a few examples What's it missing? It's missing being sports and the Univision and Tudo NA channels. So no La Liga, no Liga Max, no Copa, Copa Libertadores. And uh, lastly, uh, it's not on Roku yet. So um, it's on Amazon Fire. It's on Apple TV. Uh, they're also selling a uh, hub. It's called the T-Vision Hub, which is uh, $50. And it plugs into your television set, comes with a re- uh, remote control and then you can watch uh, all the content on your TV set, as well as your, your iPhone, your uh, Android phone, your tablets, etc. Now, Kartik, I don't think you're a T-Mobile customer. I am. Oh, you are. I am too. Yeah. Hey. So, so, so I uh, was intrigued by this, and, and obviously uh, uh, saw the release, saw your report on Wednesday morning. I, I am I am actually for the first time intrigued by it because I am a T-Mobile customer and the price point seems to be right. Now, with streaming services now, I'm thinking the, the price point to cut the cord is not quite there for me. Uh, so this is this is an interesting one to me. Well, well, the other thing that's on this one, which is to me even more interesting about this, is that uh, T-Mobile's planning on rolling out at some point in the future. They didn't say when, but they, they put the teaser in. It, they're going to have a home internet T-Mobile package. So um, so then you could have your wireless and your home internet and and then streaming channels all included in, in a bundle for far, far less than, than I'm sure cable or satellite, but probably far less than your streaming package, say, say a Fubo TV, plus then you have to pay for internet through Uverse or Comcast or AT&T. That, that to me would be, would be uh, you mean, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I have I have two telephones. I have one that, that my personal phone is an AT and T phone, but the phone that I use for for business purposes is actually a T, is a T Mobile phone. So, okay. um, I am a T Mobile customer. Uh, me too. Me too. So yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting. There's more information at uh, worldsoccertalk.com. dot com, and uh, I'm gonna yeah definitely check this one out when it comes out in um, this weekend. Actually, on next week, hopefully, I'll have a report on this one soon. Now, Kartik, we, we, we teased this one. We, we talked about this one in last week's episode, um, but here's some more news. Yeah, the MLS is consider- uh, 
not the MLS. MLS is considering April start for the 2021 season with Commissioner Don Garber admitting the league is a game day driven business. Ticket sales and expansion fees are the key and, and same thing with concessions and parking, etc. The next MLS TV deal scheduled to begin in 2023 cannot come soon enough. They need that infusion of cash uh, pretty badly, I think. Yeah, and and we said I think on the last podcast that May May would be optimistic. Uh, MLS is setting the goal for April, according to reports. But part of that too could also be kind of a either a trial balloon or a way to kind of push or, or pressure some of the um, local governments or, or county governments just to try to say, hey, let's get, let's get ready for April kickoff of the twenty twenty one season, and uh, and then, and then let's see what happens. But um, this one, I think, is going to be one that um, that's going to be a long off season, though, Kartik. I mean, if uh, especially clubs that get knocked out of the playoffs, you mean that uh, in the next what week, and you're still in well, you're early November, and your season might not start again until April or May. Ouch. Um, next news item, Kartik, and and this is something that really um, hit us hard, and and that is the news last week, late last week that um, Daryl Grove of Total Soccer Show passed away. Now, Daryl is somebody I've known since, I think, 2006, when, which, which not a lot of people would know this, but Daryl was um, the editor of a, a blog that was really, really successful during the 2006 World Cup called, uh, it was called the World Cup Blog. And uh, oftentimes he would post on there and you'd see his name. It just said Daryl. It didn't say Daryl Grove. You had no idea that it, it, this this was the person that uh, we would later uh, know much better. So he was a pioneer at the time because that World Cup blog uh, became so successful during the 2006 uh, World Cup during that summer that um, he went ahead and created, um, in conjunction with some business partners, created The Offside which was one of the leading blogs in the early days of blogging. Um, World Soccer Talk, which was previously known as EPL Talk, launched in 2005, and we had our blog, but the offside was definitely much bigger at the time. And what Daryl did really, and was the editor of the offside, he had uh, the, the Liverpool offside, the Man United offside, the AC Milan offside. So he went. He was a, really a forerunner of a lot of the the blogging, really a pioneer. And what he did was kind of created these sub blogs. Eventually, um, the offside was acquired by uh, SB Nation in 2011. And SB Nation, we know today, of course, as having all these tons of mini blogs. Well, a lot of that came from the offside. And a lot of that came from from Daryl and his hard work. And not a lot, a lot of people probably would have known his history in the blogging side. They would have known him better as uh, the co-host of the Total Soccer Show, as a, a podcast pioneer in the United States. And um, unfortunately, uh, he passed away this past week uh, from cancer. I I knew Daryl pretty well. Um, had never met him. So we would exchange emails back and forth. I think we interviewed him a couple of times for the podcast and for the, for the website. We would keep in touch as far as, you mean, trading some ideas or some thoughts uh, about blogging and, and about podcasting. And uh, I finally got to meet him uh, almost a year ago to this very day when I went to Germany to go to, to some Bundesliga games. And he was there that weekend. And um, we, we were, had a couple of beers uh, at a, a German um, uh, bar and just talked about the good old days, about 
about blogging, about how he got his start, about him uh, being a Wolves supporter, Wolverhampton Wanderers supporter, about podcasting and how things have changed and uh, just having a really, really great conversation. And it was somebody that I've known for a long time, but finally got to meet and he was really, really a great guy. I mean, great, warm hearted, um, wonderful man. And, and unfortunately, he passed away. And, and it's, it's um, my condolences to to Daryl's family and um, to to everyone involved in the Total Soccer Show. And I'm I'm really going to miss him. All right, Kartik, let's move on to uh, TV ratings, and uh, let's have you uh, kind of highlight a few of these. Yeah. So. Uh... The Man United Chelsea match on NBC got 865,000 viewers, which is quite honestly less than I thought it would get. Uh, on an over the air channel, two of your big four or big six, uh, depending on whether you consider uh, Spurs and, and, and Man City at the same level as, as the other four in terms of, of fan support in this country, 865,000 is, is not a particularly impressive number. Uh, 543,000 for Wolves and Newcastle, which was a Sunday from 1230 to 230 p.m. Those are not two teams you think would draw very well on American television. Uh, Being over the air, I think, helped them uh, with that. 492,000 last week for the Bayern uh, Atleti match, which was, of course, a a very one-sided match on Unimas. That is an incredible number in the middle of the day on a weekday. That that that's uh, that's just a, a tremendous number, uh, and, and considering that was only Spanish language, I mean, we don't know how many people watched on CBS All Access mm-hmm. or were watching the Golazo show, which uh, was that day breaking into that match an awful lot. And CBS had assigned Clive Tillisley and Jermaine uh, Genius to call that match, so it was their their featured match as well. Uh, I thought that was a that was an incredible number. Two hundred eighty nine thousand for uh, LAFC and LA Galaxy on ABC on a Sunday afternoon. Not great, um, but what you kind of expect at this point in MLS, honestly. I, I don't think they're going to do much better than that, unfortunately. Yeah, the the MLS one, it's just, uh, it really is. I mean, I think most people are a little bit tired of, of seeing the same teams play each other. I mean, this was on ABC, which which definitely helps as far as getting it into more, more households, so making more uh, greater reach. But how many times have we seen an LA Derby this season, and how poor has LA Galaxy been throughout this entire season too so it was it was hard to get excited for that one but um but the man united chelsea game i mean the only thing i would add to that kartik is that it doesn't include the um the number from universo or, or actually was it on telemundo it, it was on telemundo it was telemundo so so with that it would have been over a million total um and then the wolves against newcastle game i think that was on telemundo too so that probably would have been another 200 to 300,000 people so probably closer to almost almost 900,000 by the time all the numbers are put in but um yeah still to me to me still still decent numbers but uh yeah it, yeah it is what it is all right listen to mailbag uh, first up is RCA88 Peacock TV says that the Liverpool Sheffield United coverage started 31 minutes ago and also says coverage to begin shortly stay tuned the game starts in 10 minutes. Stop playing around with music, musical chairs between NBC, NBCSN, and NBC Sports for the sake of a few bucks. I feel like it's a shell game. It should be all or nothing. Only live broadcasting some Premier League matches on, on Peacock TV and not being consistent will, with the cutover from, from NBC and NBCSN. 
makes the Peacock experience second rate and confirms that it's basically a pure monetization play. So I, I, I get his frustration. I mean, it, it is a monetization play. I mean, everything about uh, business of, of streaming or broadcasting soccer is a monetization play. No one's doing it out of the goodness of their heart. I mean, people are doing buying the rights to these games to go ahead and broadcast them on television or on streaming uh, and getting TV revenue from uh, advertising or streaming rev revenue from subscriptions. But what we have, though, is it's, uh, it's clunky, right? It's like you might be having a game that's on, um, on a sat or say a Sunday morning that starts off on Peacock, well, actually, let's, let's go back to the example that um, the RCA 88 said, and that was that there was no Liverpool-Sheffield United pre-match. There was a pre-match, but it was on after Man United against Chelsea uh, on NBC. So if you're sticking to NBC and continuing to watch that broadcast, uh, and then you, you mean, so you'll get the pre-match. But if you're a Liverpool fan and you tune in and Peacock says, okay, coverage starts say, 30 minutes before the game, and it says coverage to begin shortly, stay tuned, which is what they always say. I mean, you're waiting, waiting, waiting. There's nothing. So you yeah. you, pre you presume that there is no pre-match coverage, and right before the game starts, then the, the coverage starts. So I think for people that aren't watching, I mean, aren't flipping from channel to channel to channel, and with NBC, it's it's even more difficult, right? Because like sometimes you'll be on Peacock to start the early morning game, then the mid morning game might be NBCSN, then the the game after that is on NBC at twelve thirty Eastern time, then the game at uh, three fifteen um, is on Peacock. So you're you're jumping from back to forth. Um, I think what there needs to be Kartik is just a continuous stream, just one stream that's a Premier League channel, and you have everything there. Of course, it's not going to happen because you have NBC that wants people to subscribe to television, to cable, to watch the NBCSN, and then have Peacock as a separate service and have Peacock have just the games that Peacock stream. So you're not, you're not going to have that one continuous thing. Maybe in the future, uh, as more and more games move to streaming, maybe we can have that. But it is a mess, Kartik, and, and I can see how people can get really frustrated. Yeah, I, I uh, have been frustrated. That's another thing I forgot to mention about Peacock is that I'll turn it on and I'll say coverage began 52 minutes ago and I'll turn it on and it's just coverage will begin shortly. There's this 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 uh, blanket statement. So I, I totally relate to that that comment. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's unfortunate because I mean, there's got to be a better way for them to do it. I mean, it just changed that message to say. I mean, pre-match coverage is on NBCSN. Uh, tune in at this particular time. Um, you mean uh, a peacock, and the game will start. You mean some? I mean, it's not going to be rocket science for them. They know when the coverage starts and doesn't start. Um, it's just a kind of a template that they're using on peacock for everything. You tune in for any live broadcast. It has has that uh, if it hasn't started yet. Next up is Eric. Eric says, um, I would love a story in how, on how the, the majority of local Colorado Rapids fans have been unable to watch their team for over a year because our silent owners refused to reach a deal with Comcast and the Dish Network. Now, Kartik, uh, this one is a big one to untangle. And, um, and actually, I've had a, a, quite a few emails from uh, listeners uh, and readers in the Colorado area 
they have been frustrated because um, the games are on a local sports network. That local sports network is not available to to the. And va- it is owned by Stan Kroenke. Is the important thing to know the local sports network, Altitude Sports. That's right, and and that's the thing that's crazy. I mean, to me, again, as an outsider looking in, the whole regional sports networks, and when we saw this too, even with um, Fox Sports regional networks this past week, where they were removed um, from Hulu TV, so. Uh, Fubo TV has dumped the, the regional channels. Uh, so has Hulu TV. And I think in the past when PlayStation View had them, they dumped them too. So if you want to watch Atlanta United, the local broadcast, which oftentimes if you live in the Atlanta area and the game is exclusively in your region on Fox Sports, um, whatever, Fox Sports Atlanta, whatever it is, um, that's the only place you can watch it. So you can't, if you try to go to ESPN+, Plus, it's blacked out. You have to watch that local broadcast. Now, all of a sudden, just like in Colorado, uh, it's it's very hard to find the ch- the local channel because it's not available on most streaming devices. It, it's a mess. And, and I know MLS owners have told, um, told each of the clubs to not renew the local uh, TV deals and just let them expire once they expire at the end of 2022. And at that time, when they sell the next TV deal, they're, they're going to figure out a way to include those as part of the package. But it, it's a mess, and I feel sorry for the, the fans in Colorado. I feel sorry for the fans in Atlanta. Um, all it encourages people to do is either tune out or to go to um, illegal streaming or, or VPNs, unfortunately. Well, and the issue here is this is why I'm not sure how it's going to go over with with MLS trying to consolidate all these packages. Is that Stan Kroenke owns the club and he owns the network. Stan Kroenke also owns other sports club uh, teams uh, in the Colorado area and he owns the network. And so what's ha- what's happened is that you have the Avalanche, the Rapids, and the Nuggets off of Comcast and off of uh, Dish Network now for a year. Uh, so that that's a uh, that's a pretty significant development, and I, I don't I don't know if MLS is going to rein in uh, one of their owners, but which uh, and obviously we talk about him a lot because of Arsenal also. So uh, there's an added dynamic to this, which is the Kroenke factor. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next up is JP. JP says question about the Austrian Bundesliga TV rights. Eleven Sports shows a match or two sporadically, not every week though. Sometimes live and sometimes tape delayed. Do they have the exclusive T- US rights? Which I believe they do. If so, why don't they show more matches even if on delay? Um, it, it's one of those things that I, I don't have intimate details about about this contract, uh, JP, but. Uh, it's very likely that they don't have access to every single game. It's probably just a couple of games. And then it's a matter of programming. So they may have 11 sports may have something else on at the same time. And they, they go ahead and decide, OK, let's go ahead and show that one on delay. I mean, the, the next day or a couple of days later. Um, unfortunately, I'm sure it's one of those things where it's probably not getting a ton of uh, viewers. And um, it's probably from a monetary point of view, not not one of their top uh watch programs or even um, most uh, advertised programs. So unfortunately, it kind of falls by the wayside. Rico Richardson says, uh, uh, in terms of the topic we discussed last week, and I think this is talking about the, uh, the Super Leagues, he says, I think the domestic leagues hold back successful teams. Domestic leagues don't really present the best versus the best. 
Wow, Kartik, this one's a deep one, right? It's, um, I think you were the European Super League or the, the European Premier League, which there was a lot of controversy this week with uh, the Barcelona president uh, right before he kind of uh, resigned, said, okay, I went ahead and approved, um, gave, gave a positive notification that uh, Barcelona will participate in the European Super League and will participate in the new FIFA Club World Cup which is effectively FIFA's version of ICC, the International Champions Cup. But um, a European uh, Premier League would feature the best versus the best. Um, but sometimes I think it gets it can get boring, right? It, to me, that Leeds against Aston Villa game is probably a perfect example. If you had a Premier League and you took out the, the top six teams, the big six teams, and you had teams such as... Um, Aston Villa, Leeds United, Everton, Southampton, and probably Newcastle and a few other teams uh, competing to win the Premier League without those big six, it would be more competitive, right? It'd be more, in some ways, it'd be more exciting. It'd be uh, more unpredictable. But um, the European Premier League, the European Super League may have the best of the best, but would it really be that exciting, more exciting, Kartik? For me, no. I mean, I, I've already gone on record on Twitter saying I prefer watching the championship to watching the Champions League, at least in the group stage. So uh, for me, no, I, it whole, I have no interest in it. I'll just say that. Now, I guess people who just want to see the best of the best, yeah, it would be the best of the best because the quality of the Champions League is the best soccer anywhere in the world, including the World Cup. But um, it's just not something that's ter terribly interesting to me. I mean, it's the same thing. I, I, I don't watch the NFL. I haven't watched the NFL in 15 years. I watch college football. <laughs> I haven't watched. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like it doesn't have to be the best of the best for me. I, there's something about tradition and compelling storylines that that that's, uh, that appeal to me personally. That's that's a, probably the best example, Kartik, right there, is that, um, is that the NFL, for some people, probably does become boring. Um, where there's very little change, it's the same teams. You know, I versus know a football. lot of people who watch college football who do not watch the NFL. I'm not alone, right? By the way, next and up right. is uh, Ryan. Ryan says, "Gentlemen, great job with the pod as always. I'm finding your website to be more and more valuable each week, particularly with the advent of Peacock. It's also very valuable for domestic cup competitions, as those generally have different distribution agreements that uh, than regular season league games." I'm lucky to live in a market with Unamas as a free over-the-air station. I'm always pleasantly surprised by the amount of midweek soccer games and the occasional U.S. men's national team games that are shown. Any idea how Univision decides what to simulcast onto Unamas? Is it a simulcast of Galavision? So usually, it's, um, usually the games that are on Unamas are also simulcast on Tuduene, uh, we, we've seen that th from the Champions League this season is that uh, the big games, the Barcelona against Juventus from Wednesday, for example, in the Champions League, that was on uh, Unamas and Tuduene. And then Galavision is kind of a little bit of a, a secondary tier. So you might have in that game, you might have, say, Man United against RB Leipzig or um, kind of the, the, the second uh, bigger game. Now, later in the competition, uh, some of those big games will be probably on very likely to be on Univision. Uh, the over-the-air network, and then the the secondary games would be on Unamas, and then the the tertiary games on Galavision. But uh, but yeah, Unamas is available over the air in many markets uh, nationwide, and it does have a lot of soccer. But 
but uh, that's the strategy that they use is to put those big games on Unamas and uh, and then have them simulcast on Tudo Ene, which is the sports channel. Disco George says, with regards to the listener question about ESPN FC, I think the dynamic has definitely changed for two two reasons. First, they're totally feeling what we all feel right now, staying at home more. A lot of us are getting kind of, we're kind of losing it a little. Uh, popping in on Zoom or Skype or whatever for a 10-minute segment from your living room is just more casual than being in the studio for 45 minutes. I think I could uh, definitely be reined in uh I, it could be uh, it, it could definitely be reined in because I, it gets a little bit too much at times, but I understand it. Second, with match days going on somewhere pretty much every day of the week right now, they're having to show more highlights and game synopsis constantly, consistently. There's just not as much time for the more detailed analysis we used to see more often. And that's a good point, Kartik, right? With the Bundesliga especially now being uh, exclusively on ESPN Plus and then almost every single game from the Serie A, uh, except for one or two a weekend, uh, with that, those being on television, but the, all the others on ESPN Plus. I mean, the number of leagues that ESPN Plus has and ESPN FC is the perfect vehicle to, to talk about that, to show the highlights. And there's so much soccer to choose from. I mean, every single day, that, um, I mean, you go back to this past weekend with El Clasico, how many games were on at the same time? Other great big games to choose from. Sometimes it's hard to figure out which of the favorites to, to choose. Bayern was on at the same time. Atalanta, as I mentioned, I watched Fulham and Palace, which I know probably a lot of people watch because it's a Premier League match. Two London teams. And also Fulham is very popular in the U.S. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, that's the difficulty of it. Yeah. El Jefe says, not sure how MLS will be able to stay afloat with astronomical financial losses this year and potentially next year, coupled with tanking what has already been um, minuscule TV ratings and increasingly poor marketing decisions. How is this league going to get a decent TV deal in a few years with cornhole tournaments and WNBA dominating them? They better lob a Hail Mary quick massive expansion with ProRail or a merger with Liga MX, or is it going to be uh, curtains quick? So I, I think the opposite. I think uh, a lot of this is based on um, the 2026 World Cup, which is going to be, you mean, the biggest soccer event in the history of this country, bigger than the 1994 World Cup uh, by a large margin. And um, this next TV deal for MLS will be, I'm sure, coupled with the U.S. men's national team. Uh, rights to those games as well as the U.S. women's national team, and and we know that the U.S. women's national team is, you I mean, just does everything right, the best in the world, uh, great role models, and um, a great team to watch and participate. So, with a lot of players uh, from the U.S. men's national team, a lot of a lot of um, young prospects, uh, a lot of them have not played together on the U.S. men's national team. Um, at the prof- at the first team level for the U.S. men's national team, we'll see that in November in their friendly against Wales, um, barring injury to maybe Tyler Adams or hoping that some of these players can come back. But um, this next TV deal for MLS, combined with the U.S. men's national team uh, TV deal, leading up to the World Cup, so you could have a 2023 to 2026 uh, TV deal. Uh, should go for a lot of money. And and that's going to be MLS's Hail Mary to help them out. 
uh, and I'm sure they're pushing big time. At the same time, too, you've got a lot of streaming companies that are looking for product. They're looking for content. So you've got HBO Max, you've got uh, Turner Sports, you've got uh, Apple TV, you've got Amazon, you've got Netflix. You go down the list. I mean, um, there's so many streaming companies that are desperately looking at live sports as being right now the hottest item in the world of watching entertainment and content. So I think it, I think it's actually going to be very positive for Major League Soccer and um, and just because of the way that they do business, the way they've, they've structured this, this is going to work out really well for them, I believe. Kartik, uh, this one's for you here. Uh, Roberto says, uh, the MLS's uh, future depends on getting their fans back. St. Louis received 50,000 deposits for season tickets. Too bad the new stadium only holds, I believe, 26,000. Austin FC last year received 30,000 plus uh, reservations for season tickets with a 22,500 uh, capacity stadium. So when they get back for the majority of the teams, attendance will not be a problem. Doomsayers uh, say are definitely a problem. Probably best to continue to watch Cornhole. <laughs> That's the second time that Cornhole's come up in this podcast. Kartik, what do you think? You, you think um, the attendance will be the salvation? No. Uh, I, I, well, I mean, for St. Louis, yeah, and Austin for the expansion teams, yes. And, and obviously Nashville has not had a chance other than one match to have fans. Uh, the Fort Lauderdale team, Miami team, has not had a chance to have uh, fans except for limited capacity for this one match. So for the expansion teams, yes. Uh, I do think, and, and let me tell you, I, maybe it's very, I, I, the political thing, I'm on the Democratic side, and the Republicans, I've noticed in this county, have not had much difficulty getting people to volunteer and to do things. Uh, but I can tell you among Democrats, our flake rate, if you want to call it that, among volunteers is far higher than it usually is, which to me indicates they're people not it's not just an indication. It's 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 true. There are people who don't want to do things in public. They don't want to do things, uh, go to th- events. They don't want to go to go, go, go and be in a crowded uh, a polling place or a, or a crowded meeting. So um, I think that affects the fan base for MLS, even if it's a 10 percent drop off a league that is so dependent on. Um, ticket revenue and on parking revenue and on concession revenue, uh, match day stuff, as uh, as Garber said. So they'll look for all the restrictions to be lifted uh, before they restart, as we talked about. But that doesn't mean everybody's just going to resume in 2021 May like it's uh, February 2020. I think a lot of people's attitudes and, and willingness to do this stuff has changed. And and uh, I'm dealing with it, like I said, on the political side, I'm dealing with it uh, every day. In fact, I was dealing with that specific issue of people flaking out when uh, minutes before we started recording this podcast. And it's uh, a problem. I talk to my Republican counterparts. We, we have a good relationship. They don't have the problem um, the way we do. So uh, I, it is cultural among some people, but I think that will affect Major League Soccer. Yeah, it's it's an unknown right now because it's one of those things for me personally. I can't wait until I go back to a concert. I mean, I, there's I'm sure a whole bunch of bands playing. Actually, I had tickets to to, to see some of my favorite bands. Those those concerts were, were canceled. I can't wait until they schedule those again, whether it's next year or the year after, whenever it is. So so there's a pent up demand for me personally. Soccer games too. There's a pent up demand, but the big question though is. 
I mean, once everything is clear, whenever that is, and we don't even know, nobody knows when that's going to be, are people going to have reservations about going into crowded places all of a sudden? And how how long does it take for people to go ahead and feel very comfortable and not even think about it? And I think all of us have experienced this, um, all the listeners have experienced this uh, over the last six to nine months where, I mean, we kind of start to get used to different environments again and it feels more comfortable, but it takes time. It doesn't happen automatically. So if MLS says, okay, April 1st, new season starts, we want full capacities in, I I think there's still a, there's going to be trepidation. There's going to be people thinking like, eh, I'll just watch the game on TV. And, and that's the thing that's huge about this in the last six to nine months is that it's shown us that as long as the leagues and the players and can can follow the, the protocol set aside uh, and put into effect, for the most part, 99%, everything is effective as far as um, people staying healthy, uh, playing games. I mean, the competitive level of the games we've seen, there hasn't been a drop-off. I think we're the playability, the, the games that we're watching are just as exciting. Yes, it's missing the fans, but the pitch, the action on, on the field... That is something that's happening still during a pandemic. I mean, numbers are going up, but these things are still happening. So you have a product in quotation marks. You have uh, soccer, and these games are still going on. These um, are still producing TV revenue, still producing subscriptions to streaming services. And then you have Major League Soccer that gets very little money from television and focuses, I mean, number one driver of uh of um, revenue is is game day revenue is from tickets sold from merchandise is from concession sales and of course expansion fees kind of just help in, in terms of moving mls up to the next level and continu- continu- continuously so so while roberto says attendance is go- is it's not going to be a problem you mean it's going to happen it's going to be big crowds i'm not so sure and and at some point yes but when is that going to be is that going to be next summer is that going to be Christmas? Is that going to be a year from now? I I don't. Nobody knows. I think, and and that's and that's the thing that hurts MLS the most, is they have to wait until twenty twenty three, until that new TV deal kicks in and the the money comes in starts coming in in for that. That seems like so far away right now. Alejandro says, uh, "Hey guys, love the pods. Just had a question about my ESPN app. I used to have a Xfinity account, but I recently cancelled it. When I go into my uh, ESPN app and try signing in uh, using a new TV provider, it automatically sends me to sign out uh, to sign on to my Xfinity account, but doesn't let me choose which provider. I was trying to watch the LAFC LA Galaxy game." And I wasn't able to switch providers. If you could give me some ideas of what to do, that'd be great. Love you, uh, love you guys. Uh, feedback for everything. So Alejandro, I would say so. Whether it's on your mobile phone or whether it's on your browser, uh, go ahead and um, uh, basically kind of delete your browsing record uh, in your preferences, and then go ahead and remove all your cookies. And then you then you have effectively kind of a clean browser. Uh, and then go into the ESPN app that way, and then it should automatically ask you, okay, go ahead and put in your your TV provider. So whoever it is, uh, it's not Xfinity anymore, but whoever the new one is, and then it'll prompt you, and that should do the trick. A couple more uh, 
uh, questions and feedback to, to go. Uh, first up is Mark Dowdy. Mark says, you guys noticed a lot of what I noticed and more about uh, the Whip Around shows. I had the Golasa show uh, commentary on last week with the Dortmund game on mute. Wednesday, it was reversed with the Ajax game on and Golasso on, on mute. A couple of things I noticed on Wednesday, they added a Golasso alert among the red notifications, but uh, no ding to my knowledge, just a red bar under the game on the right. Also, I didn't like that they held back notifications on Wednesday. What I mean is that they'd be on one game, uh, nothing much was going on, and then, uh, and then something would happen in another game, and but then they wouldn't update the right ticker with a red bar indicating something had happened. I know because I happened to check uh, out a different game due to the clunkiness of the app, and that's a different story. And then the scoreline was different than on uh, live than on the show. Uh, and then he went to the, set, the said game and watched it back with a moment ago uh, uh, segment and watched the goal. And then at that moment, it would update the right ticker with the red bar. So I, I, th- I think in a way, the way that um, that uh, CBS is doing that is. Uh, they don't want to tell you what happened, who scored, until they actually show you the moment so it feels live. So I can see why they'd want to do that. So just kind of hold that suspension just for a few more seconds, as long as you're not watching uh, or following Twitter at the same time. Um, I like that personally. So then you're surprised. I mean, you see Barcelona attacking, and then there's a counterattack, and you're like, oh, man, I thought Barcelona was going to score, but Juventus carried the ball down the field. I mean, will they score? Last but not least is uh, David uh, Catan. And David says, I I enjoy listening to your podcast each week. Thank you for producing it. Do streaming providers like ESPN uh, Plus face rising costs if they stream more matches from a league uh, uh, which they hold the rights for? Why has ESPN Plus decided to go uh, to only air one match per week from the Scottish Premier League? Is this a ratings decision? And in answer to that, David, it's not. Is it an, an issue with bandwidth? And David, the answer to that is no. And and David adds, or would airing more matches cost them more money? And the answer to that one would be yes. So so the deal that ESPN Plus has struck with the Scottish uh, Professional Football League is that they will be able to show, I think, probably no more than two games each weekend. And that's the package that they've bought. That's the package that they have the rights to. And that's the agreement, and, and, and then everyone's happy. They walk away from that. Now, um, so that, that's why it's, it's, it comes down to what they've negotiated. Now, next season, there's an opportunity if ESPN wants to, uh, again, if they can come to a deal to extend that contract and show more games than just uh, the one or two and possibly have exclusive rights to all of those games in the United States. So, so that's what we're keeping our fingers crossed for. So Kartik uh, and listeners, uh, we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can always post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. And listeners, thank you so much for your feedback uh, this week. As always, we've got some really great questions, some good feedback, uh, some good observations, and uh, we always welcome those. Kartik, if uh, listeners want to uh, follow you on Twitter and catch up on some of your uh, political updates or updates about hurricanes, I can't believe it's still, I mean, it's late yeah. October, right? 
going into November and we've got hurricanes still going on or uh, football analysis, etc. cetera, uh, where can they find you? KKFLA 737, we're recording this just as Hurricane Zeta has made landfall around New Orleans. Can't believe it, late October. Uh, and uh, record-breaking season, we might have another one. So follow me at KKFLA 737. All right. So don't forget, you can listen to the World Soccer Talk podcast every week on your favorite assistant, including Google Home and Alexa. Just tell them to play World Soccer Talk or the World Soccer Talk podcast. And thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, Audioboom, Overcast, and worldsoccertalk.com, as well as SoundCloud, and probably a few other ones I'm, I'm not uh, thinking of right now. Kartik, what's, what's your favorite one that you use all the time? I use Overcast these days, and okay. I listen to our podcast on there and, and listen to my other podcasts on there as well. Uh, there's still a few podcasts I listen to on Apple Podcasts, but I've mostly switched over to Overcast. A lot of really neat features in, in, in the app if you use that one. And I haven't done this in a while, but uh, what are the other podcasts that you do, just so that listeners, if, there are, if they are interested, uh, can, can subscribe to those? So the Florida History Podcast is a podcast that I do every week, which where we take a different topic in Florida history. And it's not done in chronological order. It's just very random in terms of the topic we take and we dissect it. So this past week, we talked about the Menorcans in your neck of the woods, St. Augustine, Florida, uh, the oldest continuous community of European Americans, if you will, in the state of Florida, what is now the state of Florida, and also talked about some of the eccentricities of their of their cuisine and cooking, which made it different than other Southern cuisine. So that, that was this week. We talk about topics as diverse as Florida citrus, hurricanes, obviously a lot when you're talking about Florida, a lot of political talk, a lot of uh, talk about uh, different development in the state and the Everglades, et cetera. But uh, that's the Florida History Podcast, and you can subscribe to that on all the same services that, that you mentioned for, for our podcast here. And then one more thing for me, and that is uh, my game to watch this weekend. My recommended game is Monday on uh, NBCSN, and that is uh, Leeds United, uh, home to Leicester City. What about you, Kartik? Do you agree, or do you have anything else you'd, you'd uh, prefer? Yeah, to that's probably the best best match to watch. Uh, I know the focus is going to be on United and uh, Arsenal, and uh, on Peacock. Yeah, on, P- on Peacock, right? Um, <laughs> Get ready. Get those yeah, updates the, ready. The uh, uh, there's a you know it's funny. United is, is sitting near the bottom of the table of the Premier League. It doesn't feel like it because they played so well in Champions yeah. League. Uh, Arsenal have not been particularly good either. In the, in the league, um, the Europa League to me doesn't matter. So I'm not sure what they're doing there. But uh, it's, it's, it's interesting. United have been arguably the best team these first two match days of Champions League. I think they probably have sure. been the best team in Europe. Yeah. And uh, that form has not carried over to the league, which is uh, quite interesting. I mean, and, and we've seen this in the past. There are teams that just perform better in Europe. I, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has proven to be a, a pretty good big game, big match manager. So, um I think United wins that one. So that would be the other match to watch, I guess. Yeah, that should definitely be a good one. And that's on uh, NBC. Actually, no, on Peacock, as I mentioned, too. All right, Kartik, so heading into a new weekend, uh, football from around the world, plenty of choices. And what should the listeners do? Enjoy your football.